Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Welcome to episode number 144 of the podcast. Today, I'm joined by none other than the ultimate superstar, Andy Mill. Now, for those who haven't heard of Andy, he is a absolute superstar. He's doing keynotes all over the world now, um, helping so many people improve their quality of life um, through, obviously, his passion of health. So we're going to dive into that a lot deeper today. We're going to talk about um, how he fosters relationships, how he builds connections, um, some different books that he's been loving lately through um, his website, Slow Chat Health, uh, talking about the power of sleep and just so many other things. And I've wanted to have Andy on the show for a long time because um, I've followed from him, I've learned so much from him, and I've sort of looked up to him as a role model figure, and um, that'll come across today in everything that he talks about, that um, I'm sure he hasn't just been a role model for me, he's been a role model for so many other people around the world, and um, not only that, for the people he's taught, and the people he's crossed paths with in everything he's doing. So guys, this is a really fascinating chat, and he's also quite high energy, a lot of fun, and there is a bit of banter. Obviously, that comes across when there's an Australian and a UK person on the line. So guys, enjoy. This is Andy Milne, the absolute superstar. Welcome to the podcast. I am stoked. Episode number 144. And I've got Andy Milne all the way from the other side of the globe. How are you, great man? I am so excited to be here, Dale. Let's let's have a great conversation. Mate, we're going to have a great conversation. Now, the biggest thing I've been worried about the last couple of days watching you on Twitter and social media is, mate, that you've had a real big issue with uh, finding out your headshot. Now, have you finally figured out which one you look best in, mate? What's, what's your angle? <laughs> Listen, you know, you start off as a teacher and the only photograph you have is the one at the beginning of the school year. And the last one they the last one they took of me, I looked like a magician from Vegas. And I was asked I was asked by um, a conference organizer for a headshot and I thought, you know, now is the time. Now you've got these fancy cameras on your iPhone. Someone needs to take a picture of me. I threw it out on on social media. I got a lot of love. Yeah. I got some abuse in my I got some abuse in my direct messages from some good friends. But that's okay. Keeping my feet on the floor. <laughs> so did you go with blue steel or magnum, mate? What was your look? <laughs> I went for the one that makes me look like the cop from Terminator Two. <laughs> oh well, mate. At the end of the day, I'm glad that you've sorted that out because it is very important that headshot, mate. <laughs> I don't know if you're being serious or not. I can't see your face. <laughs> Isn't that the beauty of podcasting, Andy? I love that. Now, yes. mate, before we start today, I did a little bit of like research on you and I looked up in the dictionary the definition of dominating and there was a picture of you, mate. Did you know that? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, let's get into it. Guys listening at home, I'm sorry. We're just having a bit of a laugh, but that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to uh, obviously get into some really good conversation. We're going to do it in a really fun way. Now, other thing I've heard on the street, mate, is you're a very, very fine DJ. You know what? I think if I wasn't a teacher, I'd be a DJ. I love music. I, my head is stuck in the 80s. Anything that's soulful and R&B, um, that's right up my avenue. So one day when you and I get together, you can lead the conference and I'll DJ at the after party. Mate, I used to uh, spin a few decks back in my day as well. I've got the vinyl set up in the lounge room at home. So maybe we could uh, go mix for mix. 
Oh, bring it on. Hey, look at that. All right, let's get into it. So, Andy, for everyone listening along that uh, haven't crossed paths or seen your awesome work, do you want to paint a little bit of a picture of your background and everything like that, mate? Yeah, so I've been teaching 23 years now, um, and I started off as a PE teacher, so I am very much at home in a tracksuit. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, went to, I went to college in the UK. Uh, I was very successful in a physical education environment. That's where I, I felt most confident and competent. Um, and that's where I was recognized for my successes. So the inevitable pathway seemed to be go to college, um, become a PE teacher. And I loved it. I loved it for the longest time. And I taught for 12 years in the UK, uh, strictly physical education. And then I bumped into an American girl in a bar and one thing led to another and I relocated to Chicago and started all over again. So now I'm uh, 23 years in. I now find myself mostly teaching health education with a little bit of PE. I love PE and I always request to have at least one um, PE lesson in my, on my daily schedule. But right now I'm seen as a health ed specialist and I mostly uh, teach sophomores. So I'm at home with my 16-year-olds. Um, and it's the health ed curriculum from sex ed to nutrition to um, analyzing influences on their lifestyles. Um, and yeah, loving it. America's been great to me. I've been very successful and, and I get recognition for my teaching. So I'm very happy. I love that, Andy. And, and that's the main reason I wanted to have you on today, mate, is that um, I've been a huge fan of not only your work, but the stuff you're doing around health. And for me personally, I, th- there's been such a huge rise in sort of mental health and mental illness around the world, mate. And we want to talk about that a little bit today. So do you see that over, because I know in Australia and um, a lot through Asia where I go to work and so forth, that mental health is just on the rise and it's getting out of control? It's definitely a concern. Now, we survey our kids every two years. We do a youth risk behavior survey, and we look at their um, the risk behaviors that they engage in. And uh, anytime we see a spike in a certain behavior, we address it. So we saw a spike in binge drinking, so we assess that. We address that. Then we saw a spike in um, – uh, I've lost my brain thoughts here. Uh, we, we saw a spike in brains drinking. Then we saw a spike in uh, marijuana use. So we addressed that. But the one thing that we has continued to grow is reports of um, mental health concerns. Um, I wonder if social media is feeding into that. But for our students, the biggest concern when it comes to the mental health side of things are academics, post-high school plans, uh, friends and family, um, their extracurricular activity, and of course, you know, their friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we're addressing it as best we can, but we are still seeing a slow increase in reported instances of mental health issues. Yeah, and no, I know I, I saw, I saw uh, this is alarming, but I saw the World Health Organization brought out a study. Um, so in 2030, they reckon the biggest killer in the world is going to be depression. And like you just mentioned there, the pressure, do you think the pressure that not only kids these days or adults or anybody uh, that the outside world puts on them, but the pressure they put on themselves, is that feeding this uh, sort of really negative trend? I think you could be right. I I do teach in a very pressured school. Um, Academically, we're exceptional. And all of the kids aspire to go to the four-year college of their dreams, and many of them do. But they're having to live up to the expectations of their parents, and their parents have been successful to send them to the school. So they've got the pressure coming down from the parents. They've got the pressure coming across from their peers. They're having to be great role models to their younger siblings. And, of course, we're living in a day and age where – Everything you do is out there for everyone to see. You can't make a mistake without it being tweeted or posted on Snapchat. So you can't hide from your mistakes and your errors. So we've got to teach our students how to cope with 
what's going on around them and, and hopefully acknowledge some of the concerns, but then deal with it in a healthy way. Yeah. And I, like you just said, mate, and obviously um, we've never met in person, but I know you've been looking for a headshot and I know all this stuff about you just because of social media and, and it's got a really positive aspect that we can foster. But then also I think it's doing it the opposite and it's really making people uh, are scared to, they're really scared to fail or put themselves out there or be vulnerable because everybody's judging him. Everybody knows it, Andy. Yeah, you're right. And it's 24 hours a day. You know, the fact that I'm now speaking to you and you're on the other side of the world, you know, if I can't sleep, I can jump on Twitter and there's somebody there who will engage with me and usually in a positive way, right? Because I've, I've chosen that PLN, but it could easily be in a negative way as well. And, and I have spoken to teachers who have had to take a break from social media because they can't take that constant onslaught of perhaps even having to give the impression that they're being an amazing teacher day in day out every lesson i'm killing it and that's not the reality and and you know and we have to realize that when i post mostly i post the good side of things i might post the bad you know just to let people know that there's two sides of me but what you see of me on social media you know that's that's not the real me that's that's the, the me that i've chosen to share with the world yeah yeah and do you, do you think i i know that um everybody's social media and this is i think it's a trap and i'm just really fortunate that I didn't grow up in the era where Instagram was so massive and things like that. But everybody that looks on there, if you're a little bit down or whatever, there's nobody on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, anything that that is really having a bad time. Everyone's having a great time and it really mirrors that maybe your life is crap. It's sucky. It's all these different things. Do you think for kids these days, particularly you're saying you're teaching softballs and um, at the age around 16, is, is that magnified? Yeah, it is. I did a, an activity with my students towards the back end of uh, last month and I, and I got them all standing up and I said, right, move to the right hand side of the room if social media is one of your biggest stressors and move to the left hand side of the room if social media doesn't stress you. And two thirds of the students moved immediately to the right. Wow. Um, a, couple, a couple sat in the middle, two or three casually walked over to the left hand side because they said they're not really on social media. But it was quite shocking that, that students were in a comfortable environment they felt free to move to that right hand side and then we had a conversation about what was it about social media and for many of them it's the fact that they can't escape they'll turn their phones off at night because they know they have to turn their devices off if they want to go to bed but they wake up and there's so many unanswered messages and conversation threads that they have to um, attend to so they can get on with their day yeah, so where's this pressure come from? Is it just that we're that, – because there's no work-life balance there, particularly for kids. Like, they're always on. And how do they how do they concentrate with this constant thing in the background saying, I need to check this, I need to get likes, I need to get a follow, I need a post, I need a – how, how does anything happen? I don't know. And, you know, I'm going to put my hands up and say I'm exactly the same – I'm the same as them. I'm yeah. constantly looking for my retweets because that's where I get – um, acknowledgement and gratification, you know, and, and I'm, I'm pushing great content out there or I feel I'm pushing great content out there and I want, I want a thumbs up and I want to feel good, you know, and it's a little rush. And then I come back, you know, half an hour later and there's two more likes and I feel good and I push something else out. So I get it. And if you want to read more, you have to check out irresistible by Adam Alter. Um, he did a Ted talk. Uh, it was like one of those nine minute, 12 minute Ted talks. And it talks about how social media is proving to be so irresistible for us. And it does share tips for people and young families so they can help them 
um, and cope with the good side of technology and move away from some of the bad sides of it. Yeah, because exactly what you just mentioned there, it's that hit of dopamine. It's that release. We want more of it. It's addictive, isn't it? So like you just mentioned, and I talk about this all the time, I'm horrible on my phone and I say I'm using it for work, but a lot of the time I don't need to and it's more of a habit. It's probably addiction and I'm honest to say that. How can as adults, how can we be good role models? Because um, kids mimic everything we do. And I know you've got a couple of boys. They see you on the phone. They see you doing this. How how do we be good role models so we can uh, show the next generation that they don't need to be on their phones all the time? You know, I think it is just be mindful. And I am that bad. You know, my boys will call for me and I'll say, listen, let me just finish this. You know, let me just finish this text. Yeah. Let me finish this tweet and I'll be with you. Um, for me, for me, that I want to I want to be a good role model. I want to set um, good examples to my boys. You know, so even the temptation of wanting to text or check my phone while I'm driving, you know, I'm constantly, it, it doesn't come naturally to me to push my phone aside. I have to make conscious efforts for it. And I think one of the things is um, if I know I have the urge to pick up my phone is to acknowledge that urge and then let that thought pass, you know, acknowledge the fact that yes, you want to pick up the phone, you know, maybe even put your hand on the phone, but then get that little win, get that little power up by saying I have control over this moment right now and I'm going to choose not to access my phone. And I think it's just getting lots of little wins, little wins. Eventually, you know, you become a winner in that battle. Yeah, definitely. And like you just mentioned, taking ownership. And I think that's the biggest thing that um, actually acknowledging that you wanted to reach for it, but you didn't and giving yourself a pat on the back. I think that's really important. Now, Andy, mate, you are running keynotes. You do them all over the world. What what are, what are you talking about? Give us some of the main things you're discussing. I, like, I know, obviously, Slow Chat Health, and um, we're going to have links to that as well. Um, what, are, what are some of the topics and uh, messages that you're bringing across in your keynotes these days? So I think one of the, the constant messages is connection, the power of connection. Um, and, I, and I tell this story, I wouldn't be where I am today without all of these little connections along the way, the connection with the teacher, the connection with the coach, the connection with the person who steered me in a certain pathway, you know, the connection with bumping into the American girl in a bar that brought me to America. Um, and just talk about the power of connection and, and that we are all connected in this industry of teaching. Um, and we need to see those connections and, and um, cultivate them. Because, you know, we, we want to become a, a big family of sharing uh, great ideas. So there's a connection, obviously, the connection with yourself and the connection with your students. Um, Andy Horn and I will be at the PE Institute alongside your good friend Andy Hare um, yeah. in about a month's time now. And we're going to talk about um, the building blocks to success and how everything that we want to do in the classroom we cannot do if our kids aren't getting enough, if they're not eating, moving, sleeping, and coping with stress. If they come to us undernourished, undermoved, um, you know, having mental health concerns, uh, then they, won't, they can't even pay attention. They can't focus. They can't learn new information. They can't recall information. They can't consolidate their learnings. So what can we do as teachers to make sure that they eat, move, sleep, and balance their stress before they can then go on and achieve to a higher level? So there's, there's two of the angles that we kind of take in. One, a health angle. One, the power of connections. 
Yeah, I, I love that. I know I talk very openly about uh, connection and relationships. And I think um, if anybody's listening, that life is all about relationships. You either have good ones and you have a lot of luck, I feel, um, and you foster those relationships. And like you just said with your students, if they're stressed and you've got a good relationship, they will tell you, they'll let you know these things. But if you don't have that connection with Mandy, then you're probably not going to be able to figure that out or get to the bottom of it and actually be able to help them, are you? I agree. I mean, with, with every student, there's, there's something that you need to find out about them that unlocks them. And once they once their guard is down and you can, you have that warm relationship and you get to know them, um, you get to follow their pathway. I mean, I only see my students effectively for a semester. Um, but I'm really interested in what happens next. And I feel like that's, that's one of the downsides of working with the sophomores because I have them in the class and then they're gone. But I want to know, do they take those skills that they learn in the health classroom and do they actually apply them, not only in high school, but in college and beyond? And that's one of the reasons why I love social media is now I'm in touch with kids that I taught 23 years ago. They're married. They've got kids of their own. And I can see the successes that they've had. And I feel kind of blessed to have been a part of that and, and their journey. Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. Social media, I think it does get a bad rap a lot of the time, but how amazing is that that you can actually see, I suppose, your handiwork, your hard work, and everything you've put in to create those lifelong learners. So thinking about that, Andy, what are, what are some of the ways that you create those relationships or you build, build those relationships with your students, people in general, um, just in everyday life? I think it's really important from day one to let the students know that we're all there to learn together. Uh, And I don't want to be the sage on the stage. I want to be the guide on the side. And so it's not me imparting my knowledge to 32 sponges that want to soak up everything I've got. I want, you know, we're all here to learn together. So from day one, I let students know that it's a safe space. Everybody can communicate. Everybody has valid views. And I feel like students immediately buy in to that and they feel like we're all on the same level together and then it's the constant every morning you know checking in with kids how you're doing reading the reflective writing looking at the stories that they share because students share some really powerful things in their private writing with you and then that's another conversation you can have with them Um, so eventually I mean, it seems strange, but, you know, you feel like you are friends with them because you're invested in in their day to day life. So when you ask a kid, hey, how are you? Like, I really mean it. How are you? You know, how was your weekend? I really want to know how your weekend was. I care about kids. And I think when kids know that you care about them, they'll do so much for you. Yeah, so true. And it really just comes back down to that respect, isn't it? That you show them respect, you show the friendship, you show you care, um, and it comes back tenfold. Yeah, and I think when I think back to the teachers that had the biggest impression on me, they were the ones that I felt actually knew me or took time to get to know me, and I felt like they cared. They may not have been the best teachers. They may not even have been in the classes or the subjects that I favoured, but they were the ones that cared about me as an individual. Yeah, so true, and I look back at the same, and I'll probably look back at reflecting when um, I was teaching first day, and I don't think I was that good of a teacher, but I think I was a lot of fun and good energy, and I build those relationships. I think that goes down that um, that's probably the most most important thing. Now, Andy, I was reading obviously another thing that you are doing on social media, but through your slow chat health that um, you're speaking about kindness. And I really enjoyed reading about this and um, it, that it's sort of just come back. And I know I, I use this in a lot of my workshops and I talk about it a lot. Do you want to sort of mention your, your take on that article? 
Um, so I think I, I put together just some, some ways in which we can spread kindness around the building. Um, uh, we have random acts of kindness here. I, I think it's a global thing. So you're yeah. probably aware of it in Australia as well. So I'm part of a club that, that leads that and just encourages students to be kind. And then we talk about the ripple effect as well. If I'm kind towards you, um, I feel good, you feel good. And then maybe you then pass that kindness on as well. Um, I do free compliments Friday where I push out a poster uh, and it has a number of uh, 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 compliments on there. You could take a compliment off and then pass it on to a friend of yours. I pin those up. They get torn down very quickly and the students kind of trade those uh, compliments. Um, Because, because, you know, I'm so connected, I'll jump on Voxer and I'll leave complimentary messages to teachers. Um, the, one of my favorite kind of acts of kindness, and I feel weird sort of talking about my own acts of kindness, but I was aware um, last summer, so many of my PLN were moving on to new jobs and new positions <clears throat> and new schools. So I bought 20 good luck cards and I just mailed them out to them and, and wish them the, the best. It doesn't take, you know, that much effort to be kind. And yet it, 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 the, the effects of it just last forever. So, you know, I want my students to be kind. That's, that's so true. And as you said, it's, it's not very hard to do to get 20 letters and write a nice note and post it out, but we don't do it. We don't take the time. And um, sometimes a little thing like that is amazing for the person receiving it. But I can guarantee you probably felt better than anybody after sending 20 of those out, Andy. Yeah, it was awesome. And I think I was inspired to do that. I think there's a gentleman out there who wrote five thank you cards per day for a year. And I listened to it on a podcast and it pumped me up and I thought, you know what, I can do that. And then I think I downscaled it and I thought 20 for the summer was good for me. But you're right, 20 or five a day for a year, you still feel good. Yeah, I had um, there's, a, there's a book called 365 uh, Thank Yous, a guy by John Kralik. I had him on the podcast and he did similarly, he wrote a thank you note for obviously every day of the year to somebody and it, it changed his life and it's such a simple thing we can do. And um, it's, yeah, I, I don't think people realise the, the little things mean more than the big things and just a simple note saying thanks Andy or I'm proud of you or I admire you or just something like that it will make somebody's day week year you, you've got no no idea how amazing that will be for that individual yeah I agree I agree so if anyone listening to this you know what why don't you write a thank you card at some point today and send it to somebody who's impacted you mate that, that's beautiful I love that so um, let's talk about slow chat health so it's been around for a while um, what's what was the, the brainstorms behind this legend so you know we, we all jumped on social media a while back and I was aware that there was a group a swell of health teachers out there and somebody thought wouldn't it be a great idea to put a blog post together and it was uh, Jeff Bartlett who's um, in Massachusetts he suggested that he was going to do it and I thought you know what I think I want to do that so I jumped on board and uh, and it started off as just me writing blog posts uh, I try and do one a week with the whole premise being it's just a sharing of good practice. It's a collation of resources. I, I try and write some evergreen posts as well so they can constantly be pushed out you know, at, at certain times of the year. And then the call went out and uh, I asked other people to guest blog post. Um, so I've had writers from Australia and New Zealand um, and the UK as well. And, and, and the, the offers out there, if anybody's got a passion for health education and they want to share something, um, they can do so. And, and I'll happily showcase their work. I've showcased students as well. I've pushed podcasts out. I've done book reviews. Um, It then spawned uh, a book club. 
and a second uh, Twitter account as well. So just different ways in which we can keep the conversation going with the, with the health community. And every year I've seen the num- and I'm kind of driven by the numbers. Every year I've seen the numbers double, uh, and every and every month I think surely I've peaked. There's no way this can go any any <laughs> higher, and it does. And I'm sure you're the same. And I, there's no way you would have realized. Uh, that you'd have been 144 podcasts in, you know, and still going strong. No, well, that's exactly right, particularly when you listen back to episode number one, and I think they were like a story-based fitness nursery rhyme, and now I'm talking to people all over the world. So, And it's exactly like you've done as well, and I think that's another great takeaway, Eddie, that um, when you're passionate about something and you do it to make other people's days better or help other people out, people generally want to get involved, and that's why your numbers are increasing, mate. I love that. So... Um, you just mentioned your book club, and I've noticed this lately. If oh, This is a hard question, but out of the last books you've read in the last year, um, have you got any, like, one or two that just go, bang, I need to, I need to read that? I saw you um, with, with uh, Brene, uh, Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. Um, was it, what, what's the best book you've read in the last year, mate? So the, the one that's impacted my life the most is Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew, um, yeah, by Dr. Matthew Walker. Uh, he just pushed out his TED Talk, and I've tweeted out a few times now, it will go down as one of the all-time TED Talks. Uh, it talks about the power of sleep. In in a short book, it tells you exactly what you need to do and why you need to do it. And I thought I was a good sleeper. Uh, but his message is make sleep non-negotiable. So as soon as our conversation's finished, I'm going to bed because I need to get my eight plus hours every night so I can be as productive as possible. So why we sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. But then the other one that um, I, I listened to, no, I read a library copy of and I need to buy my own personal copy as a reference is White Fragility um, by Robin D'Angelo. And if you're having conversations about race and diversity and inequity and injustice, and you want to make sure you're using the right language and you want to make sure that you're getting your points over eloquently, you need to check out White Fragility as well. All right, perfect. Well, I I love the. I'm gonna. I've written that Matthew Walker one down. I'm gonna definitely watch the TED talk and grab that book. So, what's uh, what's some of the key messages? So, eight hours non negotiable. Um, and does he go into like how much of that REM sleep you need, or um, what, what are some of the key takeaways for people listening? It is all of it. It is. I didn't realize that just how in depth sleep research was. You know, when you've got volunteers coming into to go into a sleep lab and have the flu. Virus swabbed in their nose, and then take a look at their um, their immune system and how the ability to fight that cold, the flu virus, decreases by forty percent if they don't get enough sleep. Wow. Um, when he start when he starts talking about the link between a lack of sleep and um, a shorter lifestyle, yeah, life life. Uh, a shorter life um, there's been a proven link with uh, an increase in alzheimer's there's been a proven link with uh, type 2 diabetes obesity hypertension uh, and various cancers as well in fact there's one of the scandinavian countries out there now if you worked for the government uh, back in the day and you did shift work and you then went on to develop cancer they're already paying you money up front now to kind of acknowledge the fact that there is this link um, yeah it it tells you uh, coffee alcohol, light, temperature, just putting that sleep hygiene together so that your habits um, of a nighttime set you up to have the most effective sleep. 
Mm, it's that's, amazing. That's so powerful because I know a lot of people, are, and I talk about this a lot, that daily routines or morning routines to set your day up. But a lot of people don't speak about evening routines, you know, keep it consistent so you can get that, you know, get the, that eight hours of sleep and, and do it at a good level so it's consistent. Because everything in life, you can you can eat better, you can exercise, um, you can you know dress, you can do all these different things to improve yourself. But one thing you can never replace is sleep. And I love that. So what have you changed since... Um, Matthew Walker's influence for me it's the screen time um, at 8 o'clock I've even set my um, Alexa device up so that at 8 o'clock it reminds me that the screens need to go off the boys know that the screens need to go off um, and then I start dimming the lights and I'll, I'll read a book but the, the, the one Sorry, great the one... I didn't find a device <laughs> named Alexa I just turned the left <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that on cue or <laughs> That was my that was my device that's right by my microphone right now. Oh. Uh, but then the uh, the other really good takeaway is if you're in bed and you're you can't fall asleep, get out of bed, go somewhere else, read a book, and then when you feel tired, go back into bed. Because as Matthew Walker says, you wouldn't sit at the table waiting to get hungry. So mm. why do you lie in bed waiting to get tired? So get out of bed, do something else, and go back when you're tired. Wow, that's a, that's a really good analogy. I, I love that. Um, I, I must admit, I do sit at the table sometimes when I am very hungry. Um, food doesn't appear. So <laughs> that's really good. I, I love that. And that's a, it's such a simple thing that I know people know the, the right answer, but when you get somebody spelling it out to you like that, I think it's awesome, Andy. So, mate, let's, you've obviously, you're flat out teaching, um, you're so good on social media, providing quality content with Slow Chat Health and everything like that. How do you get a work-life balance? Have you, have you got a, a special recipe or have you mastered this? Well, I mean, sleep is my hack so that I am uh, productive. My commute to work is 70 minutes, seven zero. Oh, wow. So that's, I know. So that's where I get my podcast listening and that's where I get to process a lot of my thoughts and do a lot of my lesson planning in my head. Um, I also teach five periods of a nine period day. So I've got four periods where I come back to my desk and I crank out all of my work so that I don't take it home. Good. And then if I do have time, you know, when the kids have gone to bed, that's when I can do my personal reading. I'll write my blog posts. I'll drip write them over the course of the week. You know, I'll, I'll grab half an hour here or there and refine it before I push it out. But I do it because I love it. Um, and then as a result of what I push out, I, I, I get love and I get gratification that leads to other opportunities. And I enjoy those opportunities as well. And, and as I've said before, you know, 23 years in, sometimes I do feel like I've peaked and then the next door opens up and the next door opens up. And, um, yeah, so while I'm still enjoying it and I still have the passion and while my family continue to support me and allow me to be successful, I'll keep doing it when, when the love, when, the, when, when I, when I fall out of love with it, I'll stop and I'll walk away. I think that's a really that's a really good point to take away from all that. That um, when you're passionate and love something and it gives you great feeling and satisfaction, that it's something you should keep doing and that you should find time to get that done. And and like you just said, there, life is all about organising. It's about time and it's about prioritising. So not fluffing around in your four periods a day off. So when you do get home, you're not distracted and you can spend that quality time with your family. So guys, listening, I think that is really really important. Now, Andy, I know 
how important, obviously, your sleep is, mate, and I want to give you your eight hours. So there's a couple of questions I always fire off of my guests before we finish up, and uh, one of them is, if you could look back for uh, when you were 18 years old, so 18-year-old Andy, and from everything you've learned now, from in the UK, teaching in America, keynotes, everything you're doing, just dominating and getting that def- definition of dominating in the dictionary of your picture, all these different things. What would that one bit of advice that you wish you knew as an 18-year-old? So if you could tell yourself that one thing, what would it be? I think as an 18-year-old coming out of London, I thought I knew everything. I thought I was the bee's knees. I was a great basketball player. You know, I I was stunning at sports. I was convinced I was really intelligent. Um, I think I would have told myself that, you know, don't be so brash um, 23 years into my teaching, I, I'm still nowhere near the finished article. Um, I, I wish I had been more mature and welcoming of others. Now my classroom is a safe space and I embrace diversity. And I wonder if the 18 year old me um, wasn't as welcoming and as inclusive as the 48 year old me is so that would be my word to my 18 year old self you know be a nicer person mm, I, that that is I, I can relate to that as well mate I think it's probably one thing that uh, as you grow up you start to realize that um, it is nice to be nice to people so I, I really like that advice and final thing is when it's all said and done as you said you're only 48 and you've got so many you got another 48 plus <laughs> in you 23 years of teaching mate you've got so long to go all right but what legacy do you want to leave what do you want to be remembered for when it's all said and done i think i want my students to know that i really cared about them um there's a quote that one of my past students left behind for me and uh, he said it's not about getting an a in class it's about getting an a in life so i teach Love my that. students yeah and i teach and it, it was a young man called ryan jones who i've lost touch with now but that that is a poster up in my classroom and i've made it into coffee jonesy, mug. If you're jonesy yeah jonesy <laughs> Um, and, and I let my kids know that as well, that that's how I teach. I don't teach a short game. I teach a long game. Um, I don't teach for the now. I teach for, you know, the, the future. So I want my kids to know that I really cared about them and wanted them to be successful right through so they lived a happy, long, healthy, productive life. I love that, mate. And uh, from what we've spoke about today and everything I've seen of you online and, and the great work you're doing, mate, you've got an A-plus in my book so far. So, Andy, where can we find you, mate? Socials, websites, give yourself a plug, mate, because I can guarantee people are dying to just find out more about you, buddy. Well, you're too kind. I am everywhere on social media, but the number one place to find me is on uh, Twitter. I tweet as Carmel Health, and I am Carmel Health because the first school in America to give me my big break was Carmel Catholic, so I owe it to them, so I am Carmel Health. Um, and then you'll also find me at slowchathealth.com, and from there you can find all of my other um, uh, other outlets as well. I, I've always wondered, uh, obviously, with your handle there, I thought you might have uh, had split personalities or something on the weekend you like to dress up or something as Carmel. I do. You know what? I do have a split personality. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you how I know I have a split personality. Back home in England, I'm Andrew. But on this side of the Atlantic, I'm an Andy. And I keep those two personalities aside from each other. <laughs> true story. True story. I like, I like that, Andy. Well, we'll leave Andrew and Andy there, mate. And uh, just thanks for your time, though, Andy. I, I've I wanted to have you on the show for a long time, mate. And you've delivered big time. And um, it's been a pleasure connecting. I really look forward to that day that uh, we cross paths. We can spin some decks together, mate and we can uh, discuss headshots. 
Thank you, mate. Keep on smashing it because you are leading the way and I know our paths will cross eventually. Thank you, mate.